Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. This is Alice Intrigue, the Chicago Bears podcast. Jason, coming up on this episode, we will talk about Justin Fields, as we do every week. We will talk about uh, the Bears' defense and how poor it has been and what to expect from Sunday's game in Atlanta. All that and much more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, we're on maybe week five or week six of Justin Fields' uh, is amazing watch. Um, He's played six good games. He's in a stretch of six good games. And we keep expanding that Mm -hmm. because it was like, oh, he's played four good games and now five, now six. As you expand that sample size, it becomes much, much more convincing. And over the last six games, Pat, he is something around 260, 270 Mm -hmm. yards combined rushing and passing, 15 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but not much Mm turnover-wise. Like it is right around 100, Mm -hmm. maybe 99, 100 passer rate. Um, So it it has... He, all, the games have been really good, and now you're seeing a stretch of them for the first time. Right, and for the first time in a long time. I mean, you know, I, I think we tend to look back at Mitch Trubisky throwing for six touchdowns against the Buccaneers in 2018 as some sort of sign uh, signpost that uh, that was the last time we thought the Bears quarterback situation was good. But did he ever put together six games like this? I, I find it hard to believe he did. I mean, did you ever think he'd do that again? Did you ever sit there no. and think, oh, Mitch Trubisky is going to be a guy that at any given time can throw for six touchdowns or can throw for 300 yards? No. but uh, when you, 300 yards maybe, six touchdowns obviously. He didn't get there very often. Right. But when you see Justin Fields, for example, he sets the NFL record for regular season single-game rushing yards by a quarterback, 178, was it, yeah. against the Dolphins? You see that, and I don't think he's going to set the record every week. But I think he's capable of something like that at any given time, and he did it again basically the next week when he was 150. Well, I mean, he set the franchise record for the longest quarterback run by, uh, or longest quarterback touchdown run, and then seven days later set the franchise record for longest quarterback touchdown run. Like, it's all, all of that part of his game is not something that is going to go away. This is not just something that is just a one-time fluke with he, him. Here's why it might go away, because he gets hurt. And I know you and I talk about this a lot. The, ta- I, the skill, the talent. Is oh yeah, the skill away. won't go away. I, you know, I worry about, uh, and I say this a lot. I think on the show that I worry about him physically. And you know, when he lowers that shoulder at the end of the first half to get across the goal line, uh, that's really exciting and inspiring for his teammates and his coaches. That, if I were his coach, is not something I would want him to do. Uh, I asked Lou Getzey about it today, and Lou Getzey's like, "No, this is good. You know, this is yeah. why people rally around him is because of his toughness." because of his grit, uh, and I think he's really becoming, he is their identity. You know, I think we spent all this time with Matt Nagy wondering when Nagy was going to introduce an offensive identity into the team. The identity is Justin Fields, and the offense is built around that. Not too different from, at least philosophically, from what the Ravens shifted to when right. they got Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that... And it's a shift, Pet, that, you know, this is relevant, especially with them playing Atlanta this week. That's a shift that I don't think would have ever happened under Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Well, that's one of the things that John Harbaugh deserves credit for. Is Remember, he was, after Lamar's rookie year, Lamar came in at the end when Flacco got hurt. At the end of that season, John Harbaugh was lucky to not be fired. And in that offseason, he tore everything down. 
came up with, you know, uh, you know, his offense coordinator came up with an offense that fits him. He found a unique offense because he needed to, because otherwise he was going to get fired. That, I don't know that Matt Nagy would have been creative enough to do that. Uh, and I think it is to Luke Getze's credit that he went from one of the great passers of the football in the history of the sport to Justin Fields and eventually found a way to make this unique to Fields. Yeah, and it works. They are scoring 30 points a game. He is very productive. I still think you want to get to a point where, like, Lamar Jackson, I think, gets somewhere around 20% of his total yardage output from running. Okay. Justin Fields is more like low 30s last time I looked at it. And I think that what Lamar Jackson is doing as the running quarterback in the league until now mm-hmm. uh, is much more of a sustainable model going forward. As far as you talk about Justin Fields and the in, the concern over injury, you don't ever get that vibe in this building. You don't. <laughs> or, or from him. <laughs> yeah, from, right. I know. Not from him, not from Getze, not from Eberflus. And that attitude that the three of them convey about this is football, we're, that, that's all great. And everyone loves hearing that until there's an injury <laughs> and until he misses four games and it's Trevor Simeon for four games and those four games will just not even matter. Maybe that's the root of my concern is that I know that every time Justin Fields set, uh, you know, walks out there this year, he makes what is about to happen insanely relevant. Yeah. Not just for the league, but for the development of his own skill and the development of the franchise. A game without him takes that away. And then what are we watching? Because we're not watching Khalil Herbert at this point. Khalil Herbert's on IR for another four weeks minimum after hurting his uh, hip returning kicks. Uh, side note, maybe your best running back shouldn't return kickoffs. Um, they, have, you know, they have two receivers worth talking about. They have two defensive players worth talking about. There's, there's not a whole lot of compelling stuff going on on the field that Justin Fields isn't part of it. Two of the things that could be compelling, but currently are not, <laughs> are Chase Claypool and Valus Jones. Okay. Valus Jones not playing at all, literally not playing, mm-hmm. not dressing for right. games. Uh, your third round pick, mm-hmm. he's healthy. And Chase Claypool dressing, but for what? Right. Uh, not getting anything thrown his way. And Pat, this is where, uh, there's a couple issues here with Claypool, and I'm interested to hear what you think. Are you, like me, getting the impression from them, like this is not anything they're in a hurry to get going and that this is really, that, that, that their tone is more like, well, Claypool is kind of a move for next season? I think, they're, I think they're in no rush because the games they're playing, listen, they want to they win games and anybody who thinks they don't is crazy. But I think they're realistic about what they're looking at here and that if it takes him a month, to get out there and know the playbook it takes them a month. What are you going to do? This isn't, oh, my God, there's a playoff game two weeks from now that we need to get them ready for. Now, when you trade a second-round pick for anybody, much less someone who plays a position that the Bears have traditionally been horrible at. Traditionally and, and right now. Where, and wide, presently. where wide receivers go to die, Long Dash, <laughs> right. Musi Muhammad, right. whose son, by the way, plays in Texas. Do you know that? No. Okay, anyway. Um, fans should be excited, they should expect to see him on the field. And I would not blame anybody for being frustrated that he's not out there and getting the ball more. 
Although, I think they're both right. I, I think the Bears are fair to not rush it. And I think fans are fair to be impatient. This is such a non-answer, but it's kind of what I feel. I think they could do a better job right now of incorporating him. I mean, he, no, that, absolutely, why, absolutely. why is his chunk of plays going down from one week to the next? It's yeah. only two games, but come on. Well, yeah, he played a smaller percentage in week two than he did in week one. I think my alarms would go off if after the bye week, which is, what, three more games? Yeah. If after the bye week we don't see, like, full implementation of Chase Claypool for those mm-hmm. final mm-hmm. four or five games, whatever it would be, uh, that would be concerning to me. I think there's also, though, this element with the Bears where it's a little short-sighted, and they're saying, hey, things are working right now. Why bother mixing in Claypool? Well, <laughs> like, hey, well, it could be better. You know, like Claypool out there at full throttle or even half throttle could make you better. Right, well, and that's also kind of what the offense is now, kind of for better and for worse. They don't throw two receivers. And we could sit here for the next five hours and debate, is it because they don't have receivers or because they're better off with the ball in Justin Fields, Khalil, you know, Khalil Herbert, and David Montgomery's hands. But when you look at receptions by a receiver, Jason, trivia, who is the Bears' second-leading uh, receiver in terms of catches, and how many does he have? I'm going to guess it's like Equinemius St. Brown with about – 12. Dante Pettis with 12. Okay. Equinemius St. Brown has 11. All right. Nikhil Harry, their fourth leading wide receiver, has four. This is an offense that does not throw to a wide receiver. They better if they just spent a second-round pick on Chase Claypool. But I think that his lack of targets, at least last week, is a product as much of the way this offense is built right now as it is their lack of faith in either him knowing the playbook yeah. or him being ready to go. Claypool's had a good attitude about this. I can't imagine he's thrilled with the first two weeks, but he's had a good attitude, and he expects to be here for years. Right. I mean, the, the idea is that he would be signed to an extension this coming offseason, although I feel like you need to play him a little bit to... Yeah, he has eight targets. He you has, need to find out if you really want to do that. Yeah. Um, he's had a good attitude. He doesn't want to rock the boat. I think that he is the most important issue. I'm concerned about Nikhil Harry because I still think there's something there that you want to find out. But Valus Jones is a bigger concern. Nikhil Harry would be third on my list of things that trouble me about the wide receiver situation right now. Valus Jones, like I don't know how he gets back on the field anytime soon. Unless the Bears get to a point where there's like two or three games left and they're, you know, four and 10 or whatever, and they're just ready to be like, okay, anybody can play these last couple games. I mean, the short answer is the way he gets on the field is the Bears' kick returner just got hurt, and their backup kick returner, Tress Nebner, now has Patrick, to be, now has to be put, Khalil they, Herbert. Richard Hightower today sounded like he would put anybody. He sounded like he would put an equipment manager out there he used to the, return kicks instead of Valus he Jones. He used the phrase, if we ever give him another chance to do so. <laughs> uh, that's, well, that's crazy, but, you know, and then while we're on the topic of the Hightower press conference... Somebody asked, uh, oh, I'm sorry, somebody asked Getsy today, can Valus Jones play running back? How about Valus Jones play receiver? We haven't, we haven't seen him do that yet. You know, we've seen him on fly sweeps. He's dangerous with the ball in his hands, in theory. But let's learn receiver first. This because is... as we've just established, the Bears don't have to get through, uh, the, what, the three amigos? Do you remember the three amigos? No. Uh, the nickname for the Broncos receivers, Van. Okay, anyway. 
And there aren't superstars in front. There are two player two players that they need to play above him. And Darnell Mooney is one, and Chase Claypool, who they're not playing, is the other one. Uh, I I don't. They're not getting what they want out of him from Monday through Saturday, and I don't think they're particularly apologetic that he's not playing on Sundays. No, and they. I wonder if they already have decided like this was a mistake. Yeah. And it was a very questionable draft pick to begin with. Mm-hmm. Now, we have gotten to know Valus Jones, and he is an absolutely delightful yeah, person. Yeah, lovely, lovely. Like he's a guy you want to see do well. Mm-hmm. And he has been, like, visibly shaken up mm-hmm. by these mistakes he's made at right. the end of games. But it was a very, very questionable draft pick from the jump, Pet. It was... Everything about it. Not only taking him at 25 years old, older than Darnell Mooney at the time you drafted sure. him. Um, I guess that would always be true. He would always be older than Darnell Mooney. But uh, passing up guys, not addressing that position in the second round with two second-round picks as though you knew something mm-hmm. about Bayless Jones. And, man, when you're rebuilding, yeah. third-round picks need to mean something. Well, and those alarms went off for us, Jason, when they took him. And they talked about trying to create packages for him offensively. And you sit there and go, oh, this is a gadget yeah, No, 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 no. Go get a wide receiver. Yeah. Go, go get, get a full-on wide receiver. Yeah. Do you know what you don't have to come up with? Packages for George Pickens. You tell George Pickens to go catch the ball. And that is somebody they could have taken in, instead of Jaquan Brisker or instead of Kyler Gordon. Um, Kyler Gordon, probably a topic for another day, but Kyler Gordon... I think needs to play better to make everybody, <laughs> everybody in the building feel like they got their second round picks right, because uh, because he's, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's growing at the rate they were hoping. Him, he and Velas Jones is not an apples to apples comparison. Absolutely but they, not. But they're going to let Kyler Gordon mistake his way all the way to the end. Sure. And Velas Jones, no, as Richard Hightower is saying on special teams, Pat. Right. Let alone whether he could play offense. Right. Because you don't draft special teamers in the third round. Nope. Not, not on purpose. You don't draft special teamers, period, right. I would tell you. Uh, they, they are saying, hey, you can't screw up. Richard Hightower saying, I'm paraphrasing, you can't screw up like that in the games. Yes. You can't screw up like that in real games. You want to screw up like that in preseason and make your mistakes, your game-costing mistakes there? Right. Okay. okay. Not during the season. Well, and that's how you get yourself inactive for however long this is going to be. Well, and as he pointed out, well, you know, he only played one preseason game because he was hurt. You know what he did in the preseason game, Jace? Fumbled the first time he touched the ball. Fumbled the opening kickoff. Uh, he then, of course, muffed the punt uh, in the Giants game and again in the Commanders, Commanders game. game. Uh, and that earned him a one-way ticket to the bench. <sighs> there's always been this, they won't come out and say it, but there's always been this... Uh, kind of undertone about him as far as offense is concerned that he's not ready for whatever reason, which almost always means, like, we can't trust him to run the plays correctly. Right. And, you know, it's weird. At the end of last season, I I think we were all over Matt Nagy, and justifiably so, for uh, the decision to play Jason Peters at left tackle instead of Tevin Jenkins. The idea being that any coach in his right mind would want to find out uh, the answers for the following season. We thought it was selfish. It was Matt Nagy trying to squeeze a couple more wins out of instead of doing what was in the best long-term interest of the franchise. Well, and I wonder whether that holds here because the Bears' offense, like you said, they're scoring 30 points a game in the last month. Justin Fields is the talk of the NFL. Does that change if Bayless Jones is playing for Equinemius St. Brown? Maybe. 
is you know is is Luke Getzey and, and Matt Eberflus are they selfish for not wanting to see what they have in this third round pick? I don't know. I I think that the fact that the guys who are out there are performing on offense gives them a pass that Nagy didn't have when yeah. the Bears' offense was horrible and and uh, Jason Peters was still out there. I would still say though that Valus Jones being just a flat out healthy scratch being inactive mm-hmm. only makes sense to me. If you've already decided, he, okay, we made a big mistake. We're cutting him at the end of this year. We're done with Valus Jones. Right. If that's not where you're at, which I'd be surprised if that's where they're at in mid-November. I mean, he's been healthy for year. he's been healthy for two months out of the last. I, four I have a hard time believing that they have just decided they're done with him. And also, they're in no place to make. Given how much help they need on offense, they would be foolish to make a decision this soon unless it was very obvious. Yeah, right. and it would have to be that you're just going to unload him. Right. But anything short of that, he should be playing every week. Can he play a standard receiver position? I think he's run something like 12 routes all season. Boy, if that's if that, if he can't, like, what were you thinking? Right, what are we doing? How here? did you misread this so poorly? Is there a hope in your mind, if he were to play, let's say he were to play, let's say you're the football coach, you're the special teams coach, you put him back there to return kicks, instead of Tresson Ebner. Do you think he can somehow unlock himself by bringing the ball out three times a game? Do you think that he can sit, that, that would help his confidence, or is that such a bit role that it doesn't matter? It would be really scary to me to put him out there as a returner, just off what we've seen. It's I, less scary I just, to me as a kickoff returner, because if he fumbles it, the other team's not standing there. I feel like I would... I, it sounds crazy because the, the stakes are usually higher on offense. Right. I would feel more comfortable playing him on offense. It, it almost, it's like special teams. He's just there's just something about that right now that I would I would table that till next season. But I would be getting him in for some snaps at wide receiver, even if it's just he's running a fly sweep and you're faking a handoff to him. Does that do anything? He he's got to get out there and play, man. Yeah. He has to play. And he has to play on offense. This is so silly to me that we're sitting here talking about special teams because in the way that they drafted him would be like, well, all if he happens to also help on special teams, that'd be great. great. Right. We drafted this guy to play wide receiver. Yep. And now he's now we're talking about could he handle special teams. I want to talk to you about Treston Ebner, undrafted free agent rookie, uh, with Khalil Herbert out. He's I presume gonna take some of that role, I think it'd probably be foolish to presume that he'll get all of, of Herbert's carries. Yeah, I think Guess Montgomery is going to get a bigger share. There. Yeah. Is there any reason to expect Montgomery to improve as a result of getting more carries? Is there any reason to look at Ebner as somebody who could um, who could be a playable guy? I, he wasn't really when he shared the backfield with with Herbert when Montgomery was hurt, but that was really early in the season. Well, you would, ideally, if you're the Bears, you want to know if Ebner could be a replacement running back for David Montgomery because David Montgomery will be a free agent, mm-hmm. and that is the last position on the field that I would pay. Right. Unless you're Derrick Henry, unless you're a guy that you're going to you're gonna be awesome no matter what kind of offensive line situation we've got, then it's got to be the most replaceable position on the roster. I was texting, a friend of mine had texted me asking about Herbert. And I wrote back and I said, this sounds crazy, but running back is one of the positions where I would be most comfortable with a Bears player getting hurt. And I'm saying this about a guy who is tied for the league lead in yards per carry. 
But just in terms of how easy it is to plug and play someone else, and in terms of how fungible that position appears to be, I don't think it's the circus that it would be if it were the left tackle or uh, the wide receiver or wh- whatever other position. There's probably, in any given year, there's probably two or three running backs that, are, that you should pay. Right. Because they will they will overcome whatever you've got. They mm-hmm. are a total positive and will make everything better. Right. But that's it. And I don't know that there's even two right now. I know there's Derrick Henry. I, w- I would pay him, but I'm not sure. But I mean, you've seen teams make this mistake. Mm-hmm. Not that David Montgomery is in this category, but they thought Leonard Fournette was that guy. They thought Ezekiel Elliott could be that guy. And those guys have proven not to be that guy. I would Philosophically, I would always be thinking, we're replacing our running back whenever their contract is up with another right. – fourth, fifth round pick, right. and maybe Tristan Ebner is going to be that guy for them. I think uh, Jonathan Taylor could be that guy. That might be the one in the NFL. Yeah, he's a good example. Out. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we get to our picks, I want to talk to you about Jalen Johnson. Uh, he had that oblique injury on Sunday. He was really in obvious pain. Pain we could see from the press box. So much pain he couldn't talk. And, and gives up a, a couple of big plays, including a 40-some-odd pass to a wide receiver nobody had ever heard of. Uh, Eberflus on Monday essentially says... Ted Kennedy, I think was his name. No, it wasn't Ted Tom Kennedy. Kennedy. Tom Kennedy. Ted Kennedy. Um, famous for other things. Eberflus says on Monday, listen, it's no excuse. If you're out there, you're out there. Uh, he feels obligated on Wednesday to come back and say, oh, fellas, I didn't mean to be a heartless monster about this. <laughs> he didn't say heartless monster. Uh, but, you know, obviously we know he's hurt, but... You know, we expect him to do his job. Uh, Jalen comes out yesterday, essentially says he feels a lot better and that, that he's looking forward to bouncing back. Jalen, jo- I said this to you during the game, Jalen Johnson at 40% might be better than anybody else they have um, to replace him. As it turned out, he probably wasn't. <laughs> uh, if you're the Bears here, especially in a season in which they're not going to make the playoffs, is there a... What, where would your head be at in terms of playing one of your best players hurt and then exposing him to getting beat, which is what happened. I wouldn't let him play hurt, probably. I don't think that that would make much sense. I, I see why he wants to play, because yes. his job is to play, and he likes yeah. to do his job. Can we do the football, I co- can we do the football coach thing, a difference between hurt and injured? Should we give that speech or not? Would I, you let him play? You wouldn't let him play hurt. I'm not taking any risks with my valuable players, and okay. there are not val- many valuable players as far right. as 2023 is concerned that you have to protect, but he's definitely one of them. Alan Williams today said, you know, typically when he's had a bad week, he'll, he comes back and has a really good one. And so we'll keep an eye on that Sunday. You know, I don't know that there's a Falcons receiver that I'm too worried about, but Drake London, the rookie from USC, uh, is probably what – what jumps out, and uh, and we'll see what he can do. Jason, we have picks here in front of us. This Team Sun Times is actually split. I think for the first time in weeks, we have a difference of opinion, you and I. Um, Rick Morrissey and I both took the Atlanta Falcons. Morrissey's at 27-24, and I'm at 42-40 because I like picking high-scoring games. I just think the Falcons are the Bears plus a little bit more. I think they have something to play for. They're only a game out of the playoffs. Um, believe it In or the not. hunt. In the hunt. A game <laughs> behind the, uh, the Buccaneers. Uh, and I, I just think that the Bears' defense is, isn't something you can count on. 
when the Lions, the Lions <laughs> made them look flawed in many, many, many regards. And I imagine that the, that the Falcons can do that even more so. I love looking at the scores that are in the predictions every week because... Jason Leisure's foot slides across the wood floor and makes the squeaky basketball noise. Continue. There are so much more fun scores than 13-12 or whatever we were predicting a couple of years ago. <laughs> this is my kind of football to watch. Sure, right. This is, for the first time in years, been fun football to watch on Sundays to me because what, we, what you have... Mm-hmm. is a situation where the defense is going to give up 30 points. Mm-hmm. We pretty much count on that every week. Right. But you have an offense and a quarterback in particular that could get you there too. Sure. So let's here we're off to the races. Right. Like let's see who can get to 31 or right. let's see who can get to 38. And that is a lot more fun to me to watch than the reverse, mm-hmm. which was true even when the Bears were good is okay, you know your defense is going to hold somebody to like 10 or 15. Right. Can the offense get to that Hallowed ground of 17 points. What was Nagy saying? All we got to do is score. What? What? I'm not going to say that if we scored 19 points, everything's okay. <laughs> and then you went and you look at the rock, at their scores, and had they scored 19 points, they would have been like, uh, whatever that was. Uh, yeah, no. And in a world, these are great games. So these are fun to watch. Fun. And in a world with fantasy sports and with gambling, where your average human being takes the over a lot more than he takes the under, this is points are good. Scoring is good. Fun is good. I, I think if you're the Bears, I think you need to win one of these. Because looking forward, there aren't <laughs> going to be a lot more. I mean, you've got the Falcons, you've got the Jets, and then, you know, strap in. We are Vikings, and not in, not, in no particular order. Bills, Eagles, Vikings, Packers. Pet. Lions. They play the Jets after this. Yep. The Jets are, like, fine. Yeah. And the Bears will, be a, the Bears will probably lose that by double digits. Okay. And by that rationale, if they don't win Sunday, will they ever win again? They get the Lions again at the end of the year. Okay. I mean, you're you're right, though, that there are very few games left where you feel like they even have a puncher's chance. Yep. Unless things change. Unless this defense a month from now looks a lot different. And I, and I know that this isn't a popular opinion, but don't they need – their offense – doesn't their offense need to pull one of these they're, out? They're like – it is an unpopular opinion Thank because you. people want the losses to stack up. If they finish 3-14 and 14, – Right. They'll have a higher draft pick. That that is so like minutia right now. Okay. They're going to pick high enough in the draft whether they beat the Falcons and the Lions or not. Right. Like, what would that put them at? Five and twelve. Yeah. Maybe they get even. Let's just say they get a they get a surprise and they get to six and eleven. Right. Like they're going to be drafting high enough, especially if they're a team that's not looking for a quarterback. Sure. It's okay that they'd be picking like tenth instead of. But it is the next six. But so. It is the next step of the offense to actually go yeah. get, go get it and yeah, win in a, win in a two minute drill. Right. What I'm what I'm uh, yeah I'm agreeing with you on that. What I'm what I'm disagreeing with is the idea that that's not worth it because it hurts your draft pick. Right. Like they're gonna pick high enough. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, everybody. This team is bad enough. Well, and also if you're I think I said this Sunday, but if you're if you're a Bears fan who is rooting for them to lose the game on Sunday, don't tweet me when they feel the officials cost them yards. <laughs> like, you're either on one side or the other. Celebrate a really bad call against Jalen Johnson, hands to the face. If you're rooting against the Bears, celebrate. Go, yeah, they screwed my favorite team. This is great because we're going to lose. Don't complain to me on social media about the officials. I would be frustrated if I was a Bears fan with some of the wins over the last couple seasons 
mm-hmm. when they were eight when they ended up being eight and eight. Right. Um, I guess last year there was six and eleven, but in some of those cases, it's like you know this is going nowhere. Right. And these wins where you get this fake playoff berth instead of maybe you go six and ten that year and get a good draft pick or right. whatever. Uh, I can see that. I, I'm not like opposed to this idea of, right. hey, the team needs to lose and tanking is a good thing here for the future. Sure. I don't think that's the situation they're in. No. Because, A, it doesn't look like they're going to be going for a quarterback in the draft, so you don't mm-hmm. need to pick first necessarily. Mm-hmm. But, B, Pat, it's like they're going to be bad enough either way. The games are finally fun. Right. Like, what are you depriving yourself right. of? Yeah. Wanting them to lose. Tune in every week. Right. Watch them give up 30, 35 right. points. See if Justin Fields can catch that uh-huh. or exceed it. And have yourself a fun Sunday afternoon. It makes me feel like uh, Bears fans are just looking for something to be miserable about when they complain about this thing. <laughs> I so, mean, that's what they know. Yeah, it's true. It's familiar. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we were all fed on as children. Right. Uh, Potsy has got the Bears 34-31. Rick Tellender has got the Bears 27-25. Jason Leisure... 31 to 27, Chicago Bears. Defend your pick. Ooh, that's a that's a uh, stout defensive performance. I didn't remember believing in their defense that much <laughs> to think they would hold Atlanta to 27 points. You sent it earlier in the week. Maybe maybe <laughs> things have changed. I, I think. Who are you, Potsy? By the way, trying to get out of your pick. No, I'm not trying to get out of my pick. I was just surprised by it because I had forgotten about it. I I think that they can beat the Falcons. I don't think this is a very good team. I think the Falcons. What did you say they are? Four and six. They're not as good as their record. No. Uh, they have a, a, a terrible point differential. Their last few games have not been good. I don't think this is a team that anybody should be worried about. I thought going into the season, Atlanta might be the worst team in the league. The Bears have played a few of these teams that I thought could be the absolute right. worst team in the league. Them, mm-hmm. Houston, the Lions. I'm willing to uh, concede that you were right about Houston. I thought Houston was dangerous. <laughs> and you said, no, they're the worst team in football. And as it turns out, we're the worst team in football. Uh, Hang on to that tie. They can though. beat that. T- they can beat the Falcons. And not that they necessarily will, but yeah. they they it's totally plausible they could beat the Falcons. It was not plausible to me, even though these ended up being even though one of these games ended up being close and the other one was close at a certain point in the second half, it was never plausible to me that they would be able to beat the Cowboys or the Dolphins. Correct. Which are still not even great teams, yeah, but they're B plus. But the, the Falcons are like I, I know they're in the hunt, but the Falcons are really in that bottom rung. They are in the Bears' weight class completely. Well, and if you talk about a fan base that might secretly hate winning because they need a quarterback. There's a, there's a situation where you want your team to lose. Yep. And it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Uh, well, we will uh, we will check in next time from uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Jason, have you been there? A few times, yeah. Do you like it? Yeah, it's nice, but it's like, minute again, like all the stadiums that came out around that time, Minnesota did it better. Yes, absolutely. Um, Minnesota did it better than almost everybody. Uh, We will uh, come at you from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium press box on Sunday early evening. Until then, for Jason Leisure and Mark Potash, who is off working uh, and will rejoin us soon enough, I am Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.